0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman-Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity.
1: Well, if you couldn't express yourself, how would you de-stress yourself? And if you couldn't make and build and sing, and knit and paint and dance and spin, would you go crazy? Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity, Art and Craft Creativity, interviews with people who make they are
0: here to help keep you safe. Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity, Craft
1: Sanity.
0: Hello, and welcome to episode two hundred and ten. On this episode of Craft Sanity, I'm going to bring you a conversation that I recorded in January with Drew Shunnaman. Drew and I worked together when we both were students at Central Michigan University. He was the editorial cartoonist for CM Life, the newspaper where I was editor-in-chief for a couple years. All four years that he was there, I was there too. So I really lucked out and got to be working at the school newspaper at the very same time that we had some very high-quality political cartooning happening, and Drew won a couple of big awards when he was in college, including the Charles Schultz Award from the Scripps Howard Foundation, and made a name for himself before he graduated. And so then when he did graduate, he was able to go right from CMU to a job as an editorial cartoonist at the New Jersey Star-Ledger, and he remained there on staff until 2010. He continues to maintain a relationship with the paper He's also uh, working as a nationally syndicated cartoonist through Tribune Content Agency. So his cartoons appear in newspapers across the country. You can also see them online. And while Drew is continuing to work as an editorial cartoonist on his own, a couple years ago, he got a chance to pursue another interest that he's had for some time. He got a chance to dive into illustrating and publishing picture books and his first book, Nope. Nope. A Tale of First Flight, came out in January 2017. We recorded this interview a year later in January 2018, and uh, it was delayed slightly because I was down for a couple weeks with the flu. Thank you all for your patience, especially Drew. And um, I'm really excited to finally get this interview out and give you guys a chance to hear the -the behind-the-scenes story of how a picture book gets made, what goes into it, and also how you make that transition from one area of art to another, if you're interested in that. And so I think you're going to find this very inspiring. So if you want to grab a project and settle in for a conversation with Drew. Well, Drew, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's really great to touch base after 20 years. It's been 20 years since we graduated from Central Michigan University, not to date ourselves or anything, but we're full grown adults now.
1: (laughs) I don't know about you, but I was a full-grown adult then.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess I was too.
1: <laughs> My parents joked that I'm you know, i uh, 13 going on 93. I've, I've always been a cranky old man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you were a man of few words often when you would come into the newspaper at Central. You'd come into the basement of Anspa Hall. You'd walk in with your, your cartoon. You'd drop right. it off. And sometimes I could lure you into a conversation. Uh, but often you were, like, really looking to just kind of scoot, you know?
1: <laughs> so- yeah. See, the thing is, I'm I'm terribly socially awkward. Uh, <laughs> well, you, guys, was- you guys were always down there uh, entrenched doing the real work. And then I would, you know, float in with my goofy drawings and, you know, talk for a couple minutes and then uh, bounce back to the dorm room to keep drawing.
0: Yeah, well, it was this. You were like a, a mystical creature because people would the, the students who were new. They they'd be like, "Who's that guy?" And I'd be like, "Well, that's Drew. He's our, our cartoonist." They'd be like, "Oh, that's him!" You know, it was like they couldn't. they were, people love your work, and they loved your work back then. And you know, my husband Jeff considers ourselves so lucky to be on staff at the same time. Like my, I know my um, four years there lined up perfectly with your four years. So yep. the entire time I was at the school paper, we had just just the most awesome editorial cartooning. It was a professional level then and I'm not blowing smoke. I mean, it was, you won awards in college. I mean, you were able to go right from, you know, college editorial cartooning to graduate and go, did you, you went to New Jersey right away, correct?
1: Yeah. Well, I grew up here in, in, uh, I'm originally from Philadelphia, but I grew up mostly in Jersey.
0: Okay.
1: Um, I was out there in Michigan. Like my dad got transferred after high, after I, I graduated high school and it was a whole thing. So after high school, I ended up taking a semester off to help my mom and dad move everything you know, uh, out to Michigan. And then I was going to go to school. I was enrolled at uh, University of Massachusetts. And then I didn't feel like it, that's – Massachusetts is really far away from Michigan. So,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, you know, being 13 hours away from everybody I knew didn't really uh, appeal to me. So I changed uh, – I switched course and uh, enrolled at uh, CMU.
0: I didn't know that we almost missed you. Like I, I had no idea. I thought CMU was the plan, so that's interesting.
1: My brother was uh, was there and uh, graduated as well. He was he's a year older than me, so he was already there. Okay. And I, okay, well, you know, I I didn't know anybody else in Michigan, so uh, I enrolled there. And uh, about two weeks after I enrolled, that's when uh, I first rolled into the offices at uh, CMU.
0: And so, do you remember that first time you rolled in? Because I know when I rolled in, I came with clips, and I was really professional. And I was trying; I was like dressed up, and I walked in, and every no one was dressed up, and people were looking at me like I was crazy. I'm like, "Yeah, here are my clips, and I just want to know how I apply." And I was like going about this really officially, and they were looking at me like, "Yeah, it's not that hard; just put your name on the board." You
1: know, <laughs> it's sort of it's sort of the same thing. I didn't dress up, but I you know I came in with my little uh, leather bound portfolio and my drawings and, uh, uh I was like, um, you know, I was interested in, in drawing cartoons and, and they, you know, looked at my stuff and at the time they had, I don't know whether it was a grad, there was a guy who was doing like one a week. Okay. And so they offered me the chance to do one a week. And I was thrilled with that. Um, about a month or so into that, the guy who was doing one a week called me and said, uh, he yeah he's, he was very nice but he said you know you're you obviously got a, a, a more of a knack for this and so he offered to give me his slot oh wow so That's I, then nice. I was doing, right so then I was doing two a week and before very long uh, I don't know who made the decision but at the editorial they asked if I would do you know one for every issue which would be three a week.
0: Right, because we published three days a week, every right. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Well, that's pretty cool. And so were you already doing editorial cartoons before you got to college? I mean, you, was this something you were doing on your own?
1: Yes, to build up a portfolio, knowing that when I got to school, that I my goal was to draw for uh, a college paper. So, I mean, they weren't being published anywhere, but I was still, I was doing them. So okay. that I would have, you know, a body of work to show. I started doing that like in high school.
0: Okay. And so when did you decide you wanted to be a car- an editorial cartoonist? Was that in high school?
1: Pretty much in high school was when I, I always knew from about eighth grade on, I knew I wanted to do something uh, that involved drawing, uh, that involved, you know, making art. I didn't know what that was going to be. I thought maybe for a while animation, I thought maybe for a while comic books or comic strips, something like that. And uh, I was always uh, a, a newspaper reader, always pretty well informed. Uh, politically interested so it just sort of drifted towards that field uh instead of you know for example comic strips you had you know you've got these little three little thumbnail sized images that run on the comics page amongst 50 other strips on the editorial page you're basically the only art that give you this nice big spot you can sort of uh Take some time and some space drawing, uh, and so that's that appealed to me a lot. Mm-hmm. The space and the the venue, and uh, I was always, you know, like I said, I was always interested in in, in current events and politics. So it just sort of naturally floated that direction.
0: And I remember back in college, you read because I, I after you won a Scripps Howard Award, right? I think and I think you won that multiple times. But uh, I did a story about you for our college paper, and I want to say I don't remember if I. I know we sent a photographer and i think i went along to you had a drawing table set up Am mm-hmm. i remember this correctly okay so you had like a drafting table kind of thing set up i remember you had a bunch of newspapers so you were when you say you were a newspaper reader i mean people might think oh that's nice he read a newspaper but i seem to recall that you read several newspapers it wasn't just one
1: yeah that's what people don't understand about the whole editorial cartoony is that the most important part of the you know, when I was uh, at the Le- at the Star-Ledger for uh, many years, I would sit in my office and for hours I have to read. I, I Basically, I, I go about it uh, almost like I'm doing research. I, I read and now I can do that online and, and different sources are more readily available. Right. But I'll sit and I'll take notes and it looks like I'm doing nothing. <laughs> uh, right. It looks like I'm just leisurely reading the newspaper. That's the hardest part. That's the the hardest part of the day is that when I'm doing all the intake in order to generate the ideas. You know, later in the afternoon when I would sit there and I would be at my drawing table, you know, actually drawing the cartoon. If you wanted to, like, come and chat with me, that would be the time to come and, and – I'm just drawing.
0: Right.
1: My, my mind's not on anything else. I'm, you know, you have, I'll either have headphones on or I'll, you know. But well, when I'm sitting there trying to think of uh, ideas, you know, it's usually pretty quiet. And, and that's the time when it looks like I'm doing nothing, leave me alone. When it looks like I'm busy, come on in.
0: <laughs> so that was probably confusing for colleagues. People come in and they think, oh, he's just reading the newspaper. It's the perfect time to to talk to yeah, him.
1: i worried about the way, you know, the optics of it. It always looked like I was sitting there for three hours in the morning doing, you know, nothing uh, or reading, you know, three, four different. Yeah, I usually read three or four papers.
0: And which papers do you like to read?
1: Well, I always I always read the Star Ledger, which is uh, the local paper, the paper I work for. Uh, the The Times, the Post, and uh, then I'll go and uh, skim uh, online news sources. Again, I'll check the Times and the Post website, and then I'll go to CNN to see what you know inane news is happening. Just to you know, to sort of round it out.
0: At what point do you, after you're taking in all this information, how do you decide what cartoon? I mean, what what is what the content is going to be for your for your um, editorial cartoon?
1: Well now, since I, I'm syndicated, and I still do contract work for the for the ledger, but I'm not on staff anymore. But the way I, I do it now is all my work is syndicated, and basically, I'm my own editor. So I come up with the ideas, I decide what I'm drawing. Back when I used to work on staff at the paper, I would come up with three ideas a day, uh, sketch them out very loosely, and bring them into my editorial page editor, and we would decide which one would be best for the next day's paper. Now I pretty much do that uh, that process all by myself.
0: And so, so, how long were you on staff? You went, you graduated from college, went right to the Star Ledger.
1: I hired before I graduated, and um, so I walked, you know, I walked off a of CM life and, and into the Star Ledger uh, two weeks after graduation, and that was nineteen ninety eight.
0: And then you, how long were you on staff then? Actually, physically in the building. Uh,
1: I was there till two thousand ten, end of two thousand ten.
0: Okay, and what led you to go with? Did you just get a syndication opportunity, or
1: I was syndicated before then, and uh, what led me to leave was just you know the the downturn in the newspaper industry. Yeah, uh, you know, they were offering buyouts, and it was a really nice offer, so I took it. And they also wanted to keep me on drawing several times a week, and I thought that you know if I went and took that, I would have the opportunity, the time to to sort of pursue. Uh, you know, picture books and other commercial illustration, which I was always interested in in, in since college. Uh, Just never, when you're drawing a a daily editorial cartooning, because, I mean, I was also on the editorial board. I had to, you know, I was set in in all the editorial meetings when we would have, you know, when we endorsed candidates, I had to do all that. So I had other responsibilities at the paper I wrote and and did stuff like that as well. Uh, When you're doing all that, and you're working a ninety five job every day it's hard to find time to to launch a project that is that's as labor intensive as a picture book turns out to be
0: right and you don't have I know for me I have always had side projects working you know the day jobs too and it's like you come home and you know and you have a family as well it's not like you're just uh going back to your dorm room and and you know chilling out i mean you, you have there's responsibilities that come with being okay. you know at this point we are in our lives so um so yeah did you ever imagine I, I know i didn't imagine when i was back at cm life i did not imagine that there would be come a point in my career where i would have to kind of you know get creative and figure out what to do next uh as the as you know this thing that's happened to our industry with newspapers kind of um kind of in a death spiral right now um did you see that coming or I mean I know you've you've been able to land on your feet but um what do you make of that situation?
1: I didn't see it coming in college. I saw it coming fairly shortly after by like by around like the year 2000 it became pretty obvious which way media was going. So even though I had no plans to stop drawing cartoons I knew that the idea of me Being able to retire in 40 years (laughs) as a a newspaper editorial cartoonist was pretty slim. So that, you know, at some point i was going to have to diversify and do other stuff. Newspapers now have, you know, we say they're in a death spiral, but some of them are are morphing into, you know, media organizations. They're news gathering organizations that heavily integrate you know, digital and online. Right. And it's a
0: multimedia package as opposed to just a print publication.
1: And, that, and, and the stuff I, I still do with uh, the, the star ledger and, and NJ.com, the online stuff is just as big a component as, uh, as the print. Cause I do, you know, I, I blog for them and I do, yeah you know, they, they do galleries of my stuff at the end of the year and I've done videos and stuff for them as well.
0: So it sounds like you are just—you're uh, still very involved in that. And is this like a part-time job for you then now, or how much of your time is still editorial cartooning?
1: I try to. Sometimes it, it takes more than this, but I try to get it done two days a week. Okay. Uh, on Thursday, I'm actually on. I, Thursday is is the day I work primarily for the Ledger because I draw for their Friday, Sunday, Monday editions. So I try to bang all that out on Thursday. And then Monday or Tuesday, depending on what's going on in the news, is when I'll do uh, a bunch of syndicated stuff. Sometimes it leaks over into Wednesday mornings. And, and, but I, it's – picture books turned out to be a lot more time-consuming than I thought they would. You see me you think, oh, I can do that. And I couldn't do that uh, as readily as I thought I could. It's a lot harder than I thought. So it takes more of my time than I – I figured I'd have plenty of time to do it, do both. And it just you know turns out I don't have plenty of time to do both because they're both harder than you would think. Um,
0: right. Maybe
1: and, not. I mean, so
0: so how many editorial cartoons are you doing a week now? Uh,
1: three at least for syndication, plus another two for uh, two or three for uh, local. Uh, so you know between five and six depending on the week.
0: Okay, and that's still that's still quite a bit. That's a lot because you have to research all those and. Um, well,
1: like, during uh, that's when I was on staff at the Ledger. That's as many as I did in a week. But I mean, also I did other stuff. I you know, did illustrations and, and things like that, and like I wrote a weekly column. And so I mean, that stuff I don't do anymore. But uh, yeah, I'm doing as many cartoons as I was back then.
0: Do you miss being in the newsroom?
1: I miss the newsroom. I don't miss the whole commute type stuff. I'm yeah, I miss the the people and and that that buzz you get in the newsroom when something big is happening yeah uh, uh, when you know I mean I was lucky to be enough lucky enough to be there for you know uh, a bunch of big stories uh, when uh, you know uh, uh, Jim McGreevy had his press conference on CNN and came out uh, as a gay man and we won we uh, we the, the the newsroom was going full tilt that day. And we ended up winning a breaking news Pulitzer for, for that coverage. That's Um, awesome. That's
0: awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When, when stuff like that's happening, uh, and you see these, these people who are so good at what they do and, 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 and newspapers really do fill, uh, an important public service. And, and, and you see all these people running around like crazy and, and the dedication and, and, how hard they're working. And, and I mean, it's not like anybody's getting rich there. Um, <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's, it's, so yeah, I miss that aspect of it. I don't miss having to drive into Newark every morning.
0: How long did that take you?
1: Um, at the time I was, it's not that far. It's, uh, we moved in most of the time it was 20 to 30 minutes.
0: Okay. But yeah, it's just kind of a hectic. Anytime you have to commute anywhere, it's, you know, just kind of a, nobody misses their commute. That's no. not, nobody misses that
1: my, is to my, my my drawing table now.
0: Yeah, well, that's great, and and so for you, like let's talk a, a little bit about syndication. How many are there of, of you folks uh, doing what you do?
1: What a depressing question. Uh, not as many as there used to be. Not as many on staff as there used to be. A lot of people have found different outlets and stuff like that uh, for their work. A conservative estimate is uh, like a hundred ish. I mean. Like making a decent, i maybe not even 100 making a living, but I mean 100 may do making a a, a significant amount of their income from doing.
0: cartooning. Yeah,
1: there's always hobbyists and stuff like that, or guys who do it part time and stuff like that. Of which, you know, I'm now one. Um, I wouldn't describe myself as a full time editorial cartoonist anymore, but it's still a, a significant part of my my work life. But it's you know. As the the media outlets have shrunk and, and consolidated, so has the the market for columnists and cartoonists and uh yeah, you know, it's always you know uh, you know people have to go and find different outlets or, or you know online and or self syndication or you know syndication itself or it's um yeah it's it's a weird landscape for you know, people who write and draw and do stuff like that. And, you know, it's now a freelance economy. So that, that also, that's, uh, that's affected, the uh, cartoonists and illustrators, the, the same as it has everybody else.
0: What advice do you have for those who might be listening, who are just trying to get started and they want to get into illustration and, or maybe cartooning and they want to have an editorial You know presence
1: trying to be an editorial cartoonist or just an illustrator in general
0: Well, I would say maybe that's there's two different responses there. So what about for an editorial cartoonist? What would you recommend
1: if you were in college and uh, Came up to me and said, yeah, I really really want to be an editorial cartoonist I'd tell you to go and get your business degree because that's just a bad decision to try and enter a, a, a field that's shrinking and at the same time still crowded uh illustration is a much different beast. If you wanted to go and be an illustrator, a designer, work in animation, those actually those are fields that are actually growing. There's uh yeah, there's there's plenty of uh, positions for well maybe not plenty, but it's still highly competitive. Uh but there's a bigger market for you know storyboard artists and character designers and uh, illustrators and and stuff like that how would I recommend getting started hmm yeah some people figure that you know I need to go to the big art school I need to go to I would just I for me that's art school is awful expensive I can't see taking on two hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of debt and coming out with an art degree I would say you know, spend your time there are resources available now online and and stuff like that, that there's a lot of teaching yourself, even though you might be taking classes and, and, and doing stuff like that in cause it's a very individualistic thing. So my advice would be don't over invest in a fancy sounding or the big art school or what have you get your education. Cause what really matters is what you put on the page uh, and what, you know, what your work looks like, focus on that rather than, you know, getting some artistic pedigree, unless like you're looking to be in the fine arts or, you know, studio arts and, you know, you need to go to Yale grad school, uh, to, to, to have that, you know, that in, uh, to the, to that sort of, a uh, gallery world.
0: You graduated with an art degree from central Michigan. And, um, did you have a, did you have a political science minor or? Uh, say-
1: no, lazy. Have you ever seen my, <laughs> my whole thing was, uh, you know, you look at a political science textbook, they're gigantic and heavy. <laughs> uh, a sketchbook is much smaller. Uh, it's, and, and plus it, you know, it's art. It's entirely subjective. Right. As long as you, as long as you turn in the assignments, what's the worst they're going to give you like a C,
0: right. <laughs>
1: uh, so no, I, I majored in art and then I minored in art history because again, all the classrooms were right next to each other. It was less walking. <laughs> I did take a lot of poli sci and a lot of journalism classes as well.
0: Yeah, no, well, it's funny because I'm laughing because I minored in political science. So
1: I thought about it for a while and then yeah, eh, well,
0: yeah, it's um... the third
1: third class you take about voter efficacy and you're like, oh, screw this, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> do some watercolors
0: yeah it was hard to stay stay the course i will say i did get to a point where i was like yeah i think i might want to drop this minor i actually almost stayed at central to get an art degree because i really found my myself as a fiber artist in the making right about graduation time yeah the art degree i i have to say that that's a good that was a good choice uh <laughs> so and it left you it left you time you were really getting your political science education just through reading about current political science, you know, events that were happening.
1: Like, yeah, I, absolutely. And, you know, the more you immerse yourself in it, the more you read and, and, and the best political science uh, uh, education I got was being, you know, tossed into a newsroom at the age of 23, a big newsroom uh, with, you know, people who had been doing it for 35, 40 years and, 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 and letting them, sort of fill in the blanks because I mean there's there's stuff you learn that that's not in a book uh you know it's some dry textbook uh and it's all the useful stuff
0: right and these journalists have been witnessing you know history unfold they're documenting that and to be able to rub elbows with with these you know men and women who've been doing it for so long uh, that had to be fantastic so tell me a little bit about your experience it has to be really fun for you to be able to document some of these political figures who seem to have a knack for stepping right into it and, <laughs> and they create a situation that kind of blows up and uh it's like it's like a gift for editorial cartoonists and comedians across the country uh so who have been your some of your favorite people to feature in your editorial cartoons
1: well yeah i've, I've been drawing editorial cartoons in, in New Jersey for the past 20 years. So it's, it's sort of an embarrassment of riches, uh, <laughs> Jim gravy, who, uh, you know, for years, uh, who, who, uh, was a closet gay man who put his boyfriend on the, the payroll, uh, uh the state payroll, and then came out on CNN. Uh, we had, uh, you know, John Corzine, who, uh, was, uh, buying uh houses for his ex-girlfriends and sending their kids to school and uh then we had uh you know now we've had like eight years of chris christie who's <laughs> been um a disaster uh, one disaster after another and he you know, he to 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 be able to to have those sort of personalities uh has been uh very fortunate for me in terms of uh of, now yeah people will come up like especially this past year with uh, the situation we're in now people will come up to me and and say oh my so much going on it must be uh you must have so much uh things so many things to draw about like some so, somehow implying that i wanted this to happen right <laughs>
0: Like it's all your fault and you were wishing for this. Yeah. No, I imagine that is it kind of, um, does it ever get depressing?
1: Like, Constantly. <laughs> yeah. Cause
0: I can, I can't imagine. Cause when you're dwelling on, like, cause I mean, everyone else can put their paper down or log off their computer and kind of like be like, all right, you have to absorb, you absorb it all. And then you kind of like give it, you know, kind of regurgitate some of this back <laughs> to the world, you know, yeah. and tell the story again. And so you can't just be like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. And, and move on. I mean, and not that any of us are saying, Oh, that's interesting. And moving on, that so, has not been my experience lately, but, um, how, what is that like to just.
1: Uh, a consequence of, of bathing in all this nonsense daily. And <laughs> right? that it, it, it's not that I wasn't before, but it's, it, it makes you very cynical. Um, or even more so. Um, because you just, you see the same patterns repeat but just to different extremes. I mean, yeah, Chris Christie was, was terrible, but I mean, he wasn't anything unusual for the state of New Jersey. It's just, it, he brought his, his scandals were his scandals. Trump is a bit unusual. Uh, but, you know, I've, i sort of, you take, sort of take heart from uh, the reaction to him has been what it should be. Uh, you know, with the, the, the women's march and, and the, the resistance to his really uh, toxic environment that he's created. Um, so that, you know, even that, that can occasionally punch through the cynicism and then give you a little bit of hope. Um, but I mean, I, I sort of view my role, uh, I had, a, I had a, a cartoonist friend who once described the role of the editorial cartoonist as uh, we run down the hill and shoot the wounded. Um, sort of you, – you, when you can have a guy like Trump who deserves everything you, you, you say about him and all the, the terrible things you can you – know, the positions you can put him in and, and, and all the criticism that you have for him. It's uh, – I don't know. It's a little bit different than your run-of-the-mill, well-meaning but uh, ill-informed politician because up until you know, Trump and you know, some of the folks in, in you know, Bush number two's uh, sort of uh, cadre, uh, I, I generally believe that most people get into public service with at least some good intention. Um, I don't have that feeling about many of the people at the top right now. I, it, it sort of, uh, it, it strikes me as a whole, an exercise in self enrichment.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, what's making it so difficult for some of us folks who have concerns about the direction we're headed because right. it, it does feel very different. It feels very, very different.
1: It does have a different feel, uh, and like I said, you know, the only thing that sort of keeps you heartened is the fact that other people have come to the same realization. Actually, a majority of the people have come to the same realization. Yeah, you can see it in his his popularity polls and stuff like that. Uh, that you know, not a whole lot of people are real cool with what's going on,
0: right?
1: Uh, and hopefully, that, you know, the midterms this year will give us a chance to change some of that. So, do you
0: feel that? As as a cartoonist, that your responsibility is you have a a greater responsibility now. Maybe people are paying closer attention to what you're doing now. I don't know if you've seen any shift in how people are reacting to your work.
1: I think it ebbs and flows. Trump is is a worst case scenario, but it's not like uh, it would. It takes a guy like Trump to make everybody forget how bad George Bush was. (laughs) Because, I mean, I mean. Trump say what you will about him he hasn't gotten you know five thousand people murdered yet uh, you know with a, a an unjust war
0: yeah we're just having other other issues that um
1: yeah, yeah but the- He's dragging society back sixty years that's all <laughs> yeah uh, but and as far as my role goes i I've never I don't have a whole lot of lofty I don't think I'm nearly as important as other people seem to uh, I just sort of think they always thought of myself as just a satirist. And that, um, I think that's an important role that society needs filled as somebody, you know, to poke fun at the the people in power and to point out how ridiculous everything is. Uh, but I mean, I, I don't think I'm out there changing minds and swaying people to, to m- my point of view. I think it's a lot of preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. which is fine, which is, it's, you know, um, you know, uh, if, you know, sometimes people will find themselves swayed to a different point of view and, and, you know, tell me that, you know, I used to not, I used to not think your cartoons were very funny, but now, you know, I sort of get it. Uh, but I don't think I'm the one who does that. I think, you know, there's some other factor in their life that, you know, or, or, you know, something hits them personally, uh, that may change their opinion about, this or that. I'm not sure that's ever been the role of the, I think at one time that that was the role of the editorial cartoonist, you know, in the Thomas Nass days and stuff like that. Uh, I think now it's, you know, I just look at it as a purely uh, a public service to, to tell everybody how ridiculous all this nonsense is. Um, And, you know, sort of you know, be the kid in the crowd uh yeah you know, not to be too cliche but you know telling the emperor he has no clothes on <laughs>
0: right uh, right just making sure people realize what what's yeah. going on here yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: just so just so you, you just so you know none of this is normal <laughs> <laughs> right
0: <laughs> right No, I find myself saying that a lot just to you know my students I'm like yeah this is no, definitely not a normal situation you know yeah. and uh yeah,
1: yeah. The job is just to constantly remind you that Everything is terrible, and this is not right. <laughs> this is <not> normal. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll figure this out and get back to you know a situation where it, yes, you know, some sort of equilibrium, uh, with with like a touch of sanity in it. But yeah, you know, none of this is good.
0: <laughs> so, so what is it like at your dinner table? Because you have, um, you live with your wife and da- You have one daughter.
1: Wife and my yeah, my daughter yeah. Alex.
0: Okay. And, um, so does, do you guys talk about your cartoons at dinner or is it kind of just something like, okay, dad makes cartoons and you know, we're just eating our spaghetti. Uh, (laughs) Uh,
1: my wife has been with me since college, uh, and sort of couldn't care less about, (laughs) my (laughs) uh, the kid is very interested in the whole drawing aspect of it. And she's a a habitual drawer as well. Oh, good, Uh,
0: that's awesome. So you have a, a budding artist in your midst. Uh
1: yeah, she's getting pretty good. Um but she's into stuff like anime and Voltron and things like that, you know, fun stuff. Um, right, right. Yeah. And daddy spends his day, you know, drawing terrible people.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, my daughter spends about an hour or two a day drawing anime stuff too. And yeah. is your, your daughter's 13? Yeah. Yeah, so is my oldest, Abby. So um yeah, it's um it's funny. Yeah, she's not really interested in uh, no. You know, any it's, it's anime or something, and I try to talk to her about some of the stuff. I, you're probably more dialed into some of the characters. Like, do you follow it? Because I can't really hold the conversation. She'll
1: post, she'll post stuff on her in, Instagram and, and things like that, and I'll be like, that's a nice drawing, but I don't know what it is. I mean, she was – I know some of the Pokemon stuff, but, yeah. I mean, she's, like, into uh, – I mean, I and she's also just got into, like, Harry Potter, so I know some of that stuff. Right, um, right. But, like, like uh, sort of, you know, Attack on Titan and Voltron and stuff like that, I'm not up on it. Uh, maybe after a while she'll educate me.
0: <laughs> right, It is really fun to watch the the kids actually, like, develop into their own, you know, their own interests, and, and you see the talent that comes out, so it's really quite fun. So it's probably fun for you, especially to see her develop her artwork.
1: So. Oh, yeah. I, this year we, uh, uh, she wanted... The big thing this year was she wanted to go to uh, Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con. So uh, my brother and her cousins uh, and I, they all got dressed up and did the cosplay and stuff like that. And then you know, I took her to, uh, to Comic-Con, which is uh, a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> <It's, yeah. laughs> Just shuffling shoulder to shoulder with all these people for you know five hours. Um, and it's basically just a big nerd flea market.
0: Yeah. I went to the Grand Rapids one with my daughters this year and, uh, they were dressed, we didn't have time for the like authentic cosplay. So we just went to target and got, um, those little, uh, you know, like hooded onesie deal, like it's costumes that people mm-hmm. wear as pajamas and, uh, they were dressed as care Bears. and I was having a really bad day. So I bought an Eeyore suit and put it on <laughs> and people, the thing that was so weird about it is people want to be in photos with us. Yes. And I was like, this is weird. We're not even dressed as any like legit like has played like, characters you know I was like I don't know what's going on but it was um
1: it and- went my, the, the, they went full bore my mom is you know very into uh sewing and and quilting and stuff like that. so she made like stuff for I I was the only one who didn't get dressed up because I'm like I said a cranky old man <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah they yeah they had like the full Deal the full regalia. My brother and uh, my youngest uh, nephew were dressed as uh, a Jedi and a Padawan. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, my, my my kid went as Link from Legend of Zelda, and my uh, my niece went as some uh, some character from a video game who I'd never heard of. Oh,
0: that's cool. I mean,
1: you know, you get there and half the people are in costume, and they're all taking pictures with each other, and there's some dude in this giant uh, like a uh, PVC. Group costume <laughs>
0: right. yeah, there's like there were ghostbusters and stuff at the oh. one we went to I mean people get really and they're like nerding out about the authenticity of the garb they're wearing. I wasn't sure what to expect, but there were so many people and a lot of artwork and it was fun uh, to watch my daughter talk to some artists about what they were drawing so that was that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I did enjoy the chance to go down to what they call Artist Alley where all the artists set up their tables and you buy sketchbooks and stuff like that cuz I'm I've been a comic book collector since I was 8 years old. I've got thousands and thousands of them. Uh, so that's sort of my scene. It's just you know the 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 scale of it being, you know, sardined in there with, you know, 25,000 other uh nerds shopping, you know, pop figures.
0: But, so it sounds like the comic books were your early an early influence for you, big time. Yeah, and so did you think you were going to do comic books, and do you think you might do a comic
1: book? Uh, comic books are hard. I might, you know, I'm sure I'm sure there'll be at some point. I I, I I would like to probably do a, a a graphic novel aimed at you know the at kids because that's that's something that that I think would be interesting. I'm not sure my my current work fits the comic book mold. I sort of took a, a cartooning turn back there in, in high school. Mm-hmm. I could, I could like maybe fake it for a cover or two, but to, to draw 24 pages of interior art with that style of, of storytelling. And, and yeah, that's pretty hard. Um, but a lot of being so heavily influenced by him, a lot of the, the stuff I come up with when I'm doing, a, a yeah you know, my picture books and stories and stuff like that is it ends up being very sequentially art based you know where you know one panel goes to the next it's it's uh, so in the future maybe that's something I I'd, I'd think about doing is is uh, a a graphic novel for i mean calling it a graphic novel we're talking about something like probably 40 50 pages um for for kids type of thing uh, but I, I have some sort of interest in that
0: Yeah, and graphic novels are really popular right now. I know my kids cruise through them, and so does
1: my yeah, my daughter, and
0: yeah, yeah. I find that I have to get used to reading them because I'm like I'm not used to like taking usually you have to spend time on all the illustrations, and then you know it's so it's for me I'm like I and they read some that are uh, presented you know Japanese style where you open from the back of the book and all this, and I'm just like I just i I feel like they've had to show me the way when it comes to the graphic novels and all that but i know i'm asking i'm asking you to predict the future of like what you're going to do next and we kind of skipped over completely uh the children's book um the picture book um work that you've been doing for the last couple years and i'm really interested in in hearing more about that i know your first book nope came out was it last january
1: yeah just january okay
0: and um and it's i actually have a copy of it here i have my copy of this that i uh purchased and um, and I, I loved I love seeing your work transition over to the picture book and uh, I'm interested in what, what was your inspiration for uh, going this direction you know because it's, it's a lot different than editorial cartooning
1: it's completely different <laughs> it, it's it's a, an entirely different set of muscles you're using to create a picture book um, I have always been interested in since I since uh, I'm, I'm interested in, in illustration in, in all its forms. I've always been interested in picture books because it's sort of just this pure for, it's it's a form for pure illustration. Um, it's, you know, you got these giant double page spreads. You can fill it with wondrous things or, you know, maybe there's just one thing on a page. It's, I approached it as, not as a as a as an uh, cartoonist but as an uh, an illustrator i was in excited to to sink my teeth into cuz i mean an editorial cartoon is all about working on deadline it's about getting it done and getting it out there this it's a much longer gestation period for a picture book uh you know you come up with the idea you produce a, a black and white sketch version or a, what we call a dummy. Uh, you know, that goes off to your your agent and then that gets sent out. Uh, and, you know, it could be months before you hear anything back, yay or nay. Uh, and then another year and a half, two years before anything is published. It's sort of relaxing in that you have all this time to create this piece of that you have to infuse with story and it was just a different venue that I was always been very attractive. Since I was in in, in college, I've been collecting children's books that i you know were I found interesting or uh, because there's just so much great illustration happening in them.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I have a collection as well. I yeah, I, I collect them too.
1: I mean, right now, a lot of people you know, mentioned this in other forums, but it's really a great time to be. It, it's sort of a golden age for picture books. Uh, not that I'd be included in it, but there's so much great work happening that you know it's constantly inspiring. That and you know, after doing political cartoons almost exclusively for you know at that time, eighteen years, it's nice to do something different, uh, just for the sake of doing something different. Um, like I said, it's a different set of muscles that you're you're using to create. Uh, yeah, something that uh, a story that has to have a beginning, middle, and an end with characters that you create and you have to you flesh out fully. In editorial cartooning, your your characters uh, for better or for worse are sort of given to you.
0: Right, Uh, right. And you're not documenting with your picture books. You're documenting uh, happier things, not terrible people doing terrible things.
1: (laughs) It's it's a lot more. uh, It's a lot more life affirming. Yeah. Um, and the people involved in the industry are all just so delightful and nice. Um, it's coming from a newsroom. It, it's like a shock to the system uh, because, I mean, as, as great as, as as newsrooms and stuff are, uh, you find just some of the – and everybody in there is funny. and But, I mean, grizzled would be a good word to describe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm a cranky old man and I'm not even like half as cynical as some of the people in there. Uh,
0: <laughs> right. right. Cause they've seen bad stuff happen. Yeah. So it, and it, le- it leaves a mark on you for sure. Uh,
1: you know, I'm constantly terrified that, uh, the, the picture book folks are going to figure out that I'm a terrible human being and tell me you can't do this anymore.
0: I don't think that's going to happen.
1: And then I'll say something at some point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, how did your first book come to light? How did, how did you, uh, you walk me through the process. Did you pitch something or did someone approach you or an agent said, Hey, you should try this. How did this happen?
1: I have been, I had been looking to, to sort of get into it on the periphery. for you know, I would Like I said, I didn't have a whole lot of time, but I would sort of dabble around with, you know, creating some illustrations or something like that, uh, in a picture book style or in that vein. And I had some, uh, cartoonist colleagues who, uh, who had, you know, Done some books. Uh, so I, I called or emailed a friend of mine named Matt Davies, who's uh, the cartoonist for uh, New York Newsday, or not New York, New- Long Island Newsday. Um, and he had uh, published a, a book and he offered just to send some of my stuff to his agent. Um, so he called me back and we talked. And he didn't sign me right then, but I came up, you know, he said, you know, once you have a project that I think, you know, could be you know good, we'll, 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 we'll think about uh, sending it out. Uh, so I came up with a couple of different projects um, of which Nope was like in the second or third batch of stuff I came up with. Uh, and we sent that along with the Nope and the one that's about to be published, Don't Eat That. Uh, that'll come out in June were sent out at the same time. Uh, so they've both been, you know, long gestating uh, projects and you know, the, the, the people at uh, Viking uh, at the uh, penguin Viking uh, picked it up. And since then it, it's been um, a several year process uh, to, to get both books completed.
0: And for those who are listening and they hear saying, Nope, Uh, And don't know what the book's about. Um, Can you tell folks at home what what your book is about? And um, I think it's awesome because you're telling the story with very few words. I mean, pretty much much no is the word. Um,
1: Right. There's only, there's only, there's, I use a couple of uh, words for like sound effects and stuff like that. Other than that, there's only two words in the book. The the book is about um, a baby bird who, and his mom, and it's uh, time for him to leave the nest. And learn how to fly and when he's confronted with that making that leap he uh he responds with you know, the the title nope uh and runs back to mom and mom sort of takes uh keeps urging him to go further into sort of his imagination snowballs downhill where you know the 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 danger uh climaxes and then the, you know the mom ultimately finds you know, a way to encourage him to you know, take flight. Um, so it's, it's basically a story about listening to your mom. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and it's a really cute story. And I love the fact that you have really mastered the whole ability to, to, t- to tell a story without words, you know, like without a bunch of words. It's like a, a small, very small child could page through this book. And that makes which, what makes an absolutely great and successful picture book is when a small child who can't read, uh, can enjoy this. And also people who can read can enjoy this. So it's really, it's not one of those books that's closed off to those, you know, little kids who love books. And if mom or dad is not around to like read the book right then, uh, they can page through and still enjoy the story, which I think is you know, yeah, kind of the magic I, of picture books.
1: Yeah. Like I say, it, I didn't originally plan it like that. Uh, nope. In it, in its original form, you know, the, 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 the baby bird or little bird, as I call him, just, you know, he was, uh, he was actually kind of chatty. Um, and as I was working on the layout, which, you know, I just have you know, drawing thumbnails or doing page layouts, uh, of, you know, how to, you know, to stage the action in, in the book, just sort of looking at the I realized, you know what, he doesn't really need to say any of this stuff he's saying. Uh, all we need is just, you know, the one word uh, and use that when it's appropriate. And other than that, just let the 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 pictures tell the story. Um, and after, you know, I, I sort of changed it and went in that direction I looked at the old version and realized that, you know, the little bird was kind of, you know, he was kind of. Came off of like a little jerky. Uh, he wasn't exactly <laughs> Um so you know, the, shutting him up actually made him more relatable uh, and less, uh, you know, precocious. Um, but that was an interesting part of the process for me was was figuring out as you know I'm just drawing and refining and moving the, you know this panel from here to there and looking at it as a, as you know, going from, you know, just my little thumbnails and flipping through the pages that I don't need all these words because it's not this, this book in particular is about what's happening, not what they're talking about. Right. Uh, Not that I was averse to putting in words. like my next book has, has plenty of words. Uh, I don't, you know, it's not wordless or it's, you know, it's, it's conversation. Um, so I, I didn't even, I didn't look at it as like a, as a as sort of a as, a, as a gimmick or anything. I just, I figured if he didn't need to say anything, then he shouldn't say anything. And if you could tell the story with pictures, then just do that and use words where you absolutely need to. Or, yeah, you know, so I've used them. There's a couple of pages in there when I use them as a graphic element. You know, where like, there's a, you know, a picture where he's sort of, he's running off one side of the, the, the page being trailed by this, you know, giant uh, expanding pile of, uh, of nopes. Um,
0: right. So you're, you're using, it's just very spare, um, you know, you, the, the language in here. And and it sounds like that's just where how the project evolved and that's where you ended up.
1: And, yeah, it wasn't uh, the thing I set out to do. It was just sort of how it ended up.
0: I'm interested in what uh, you used, because it looks like you used uh, the computer to do um, your illustration on here, create them.
1: I use a a touchscreen tablet. Uh, I draw directly onto the screen. Uh, I do that uh, the work in Photoshop. Um, I have you know I, I make different custom brushes to to emulate different type of media. Uh, you know whether it be you know gouache paints or watercolors or what have you. And I yeah I went digital almost completely shortly after I I, I left. The, the ledger. So back in like 2011 ish
0: okay. is when
1: I sort of switch over.
0: And what kind of um, tablet do you like?
1: I'm using a, a Wacom, uh, Cintiq, which is, um, an expensive item, but, uh, it's sort of top of the market. There are other tablets coming out now that sort of sort of challenge it for, uh, the, the, the marketplace, um, and that are cheaper. Uh, but, uh, this one just works so well. Um, you know, when I tell people I work digital, they think that, you know, there's some trick or gimmick to it. You know, like I press a button and a picture pops up.
0: <laughs> yeah, not exactly. <laughs> all it is, it's
1: just, it's just a different surface I'm drawing on. Right. <laughs> you know, instead of drawing on paper, I you know, I still have to make all the lines and all the, yeah, it's, it's easy. It's super, super convenient and easy in terms of workflow for making corrections, which is something that, you know, in publishing, you have to do all the time because it goes through several rounds of, you know, you have, you have your editor, then you have an art director and then it goes to, you know, marketing and, you know, and they might want, I mean, and, and a lot of it is very exact. I mean, it's to the point where, can we move this a quarter inch to the left, you know, so that it's not in the gutter of the page and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, So it's incredibly convenient for that. Um, right
0: now, are you using? La- are you creating layers? I know when, uh, my daughter's working on. Uh, we have an iPad Pro, and she uses uh, Procreate uh, right. as her program. She'll, you know, we create. She's better at it, at it than I am. But um, when we're working on that, we'll you create layers, and then you can kind of go back. Um, sometimes I forget to create a new layer, and I get so mad. You know, I, I'm like, oh, I'm five layers in, or five, I've done five things, and I don't have separate layers. Do you do a layering system, and your when you're creating digitally?
1: Yeah, the way I sort of everybody sort of works differently, but. Uh, when I'm doing my cartoons digitally, I don't work with that many different layers. I sort of, uh, flatten stuff a lot and, and sort of, uh, I don't keep every element separate. I just sort of, yeah, cause it's just a different process for me, but in doing the picture books, going in, knowing that, you know, uh, later on, you know, things might be, um, things might need to change around. I do consciously separate, uh, the different elements, the different characters onto their own layers mm-hmm. on, you know, I separate the background, the foreground, uh, you know, the sky, uh, in order, you know, you know, cause you might get two months from now, you know, your art director might say, can we change, uh, this, can this be blue or more blue instead of, uh, purple? Can this be brighter? Can this be, and it's just easier to, to, to fix things that way. So while the, I understand what you were saying there you my compulsion is to just sort of flatten things down and 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 draw on or paint on as few layers as possible but for this type of work it really does pay dividends later on to to keep everything separate.
0: This book's been out for a year how's it been to have your work out there in, in bookstores on the shelf in the kids section?
1: It's super fun. I mean, people will send me pictures of, uh, you know, story time at their school uh, or, you know, I did a bunch of story time readings as, uh, as the book came out at, you know, independent bookstores and things like that. Um, I'm just starting to do some school visits. Uh, so it's it's really fun to have people uh, read and consume this thing you spent so much time working on. And to, I mean, the feedback has been uh, overwhelmingly positive. I mean, I can't imagine somebody buying a picture book and then, you know, hunt you down at an appearance and then telling you, you know, I hated it.
0: (laughs) Right. It's it's, uh, quick enough to flip through that if they hate it, they're not going to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're some kind of really weirdo, you're some weirdo that's likes to complain, but, and spend money on things they don't like. I don't know, but, well, that's wonderful. And so you have a book that another one, is there another one forthcoming that's on its way out?
1: Uh, I yes, there's one, uh, coming out in uh, June called Don't Eat That. It's, uh, (laughs) it's uh, a story of a, uh, a nature loving sort of, she's sort of like a Girl Scout, but I don't explicitly say what she's sort of she's a scout she's out in the woods and she comes upon a bear who has just been uh released into the wild uh from like a zoo okay he he doesn't know what he is and isn't supposed to eat and so she sort of befriends the bear and they figure it out together over the course of the story
0: oh that's really cute what yeah. was the inspiration for that one
1: oh god you're asking me a question I, like this is a couple <laughs> I come up with so much stuff that doesn't work. I just, I just sort of, I constantly generate whenever something pops into my head, I'll take my phone out and I just tap it into the phone. And sometimes an idea will start with just the title and then I'll, you know, well, what's that mean? Well, I'll also sort of think about like, what do I feel like drawing? What, what seems like it might be fun. I like drawing bears. So let me do a bear. Um, the original inspiration and the, 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 the end product has changed a lot from what it was, was I thought of, uh, what if I could do like a, a nature documentary type thing in book form? Um, have you ever seen the uh, the cartoon uh, Duck Amok, the old Warner Brothers Daffy Duck cartoon where like Daffy Duck is being, um, he's sort of talking directly to screen at the animator?
0: Oh, yeah,
1: and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was I the original version of this was the animate the narrator was unseen off the page and he's just sort of, you know, narrating this the, the, a nature documentary about this bear who doesn't know what he's doing out in the wild type okay. of thing. <laughs> yeah. And and as we got into it, we figured out we figured it would be more relatable for kids
0: if there's a kid, a
1: character in that narrator role. So that's where uh, you know, I redid the the manuscript and uh, came up with uh, uh, the this, the Girl Scout Gertie is her name, and uh, she now plays the role of that narrator. And a lot of the a lot of the jokes and stuff like that are the same as the previous version, but now they're you know it's about this relationship between the two of them. And you know she you can actually see the narr- you know she serves as the narrator, but you you know the kids can put themselves in the book in her place,
0: right? Well, that sounds really cute, and so that one's the next one coming out. And then, how many do you have in the pipeline?
1: Oh gosh, um, let me count them. Uh, I've got, one, two, three, two, three. I've got like four or five other ones that I'm working on. It's awesome. Pieces
0: all for uh, the same publisher. Do, you're doing all your work for
1: well, those. The, the ones I've got, I've got cooking. Don't have a publisher yet. I haven't even oh, shown them. Oh, my-
0: okay, okay. So, so you're
1: those are well down the pipeline. Yeah, we're getting ready to send stuff out now. I've got a couple of things uh, ready to actually go and be seen by editors.
0: Now, are you taking on, are you doing illustration work for other children's book authors?
1: If if I'm going to achieve any sort of longevity doing this, it's going to be as an author illustrator, but Mm -hmm. I'm entirely willing to, I'm not, I haven't done it yet, but I'm entirely willing to to illustrate other people's books as well. Uh, I have a very specific, very humorous, humor based style. So you know I'm not a perfect fit for a ton of different projects uh, but if the right one came along, I would do it in a second
0: yeah well that's cool yeah well, and that's nice to have that versatility too I mean to sure. be able to write and illustrate is basically the winning combination for
1: children's books I mean that's yeah, really... I think there are certain agents and editors and authors and uh, editors and publishers who who prefer and they will explicitly tell you they prefer to work with author illustrators. Um, just cause it's sort of a one-stop shop type of thing. Um, and you know, the idea of entering the field as just an illustrator never really occurred to me. I had always assumed I would write my own stuff. Well, especially
0: uh, since you've been writing, I mean, you have a background in writing, you know, you did columns and were part of the editorial board and, um,
1: this just, type of, but yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, I mean, even though it's a different, completely different form, um, you know, this is a lot more. This is it gets to be a lot more fun. You know, you don't have to worry about the politics of anything. You can just tell a story, which is great. So yeah, that
1: that would probably be, been the hardest transition for me is to to shift from, you know, just sort of a, a you know, satirical writing, which is you know, you, play, you put something before somebody and you, it's a joke and they either get it or they don't, to a narrative with a beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> right. It's not, you know, that's not something that's already been done a million times before. Or if you are doing, uh, the, you know, so if you are dealing with something that's, you know, like a trope to to sort of uh, subvert the reader's expectations, even though they're, you know, they're you know, age three to six or whatever, uh, they get a lot more than you think they do.
0: Oh, they sure do. Yeah, kids absorb so much. And I think, I mean, the truth is, though, I mean, there are a lot of us adults buying children. I mean, my kids are way beyond the three to six reading level and I still buy children's books.
1: Well, I mean, I, I love them. I, that's the case for even people who are buying it for children. Children don't buy children's books.
0: No, they don't. No, it's <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. But I think it, you, you have this whole other market too. people who don't have children that age. Sometimes people buy they don't have kids, you know, but they like the illustrations and the stories. And so I think there's quite a few people out there that are. Um, consumers of this, these products that are not, um, you know, going, taking them in their babysitting bag to go yes. read to kids.
1: Some, uh, some uh, author who I don't recall anymore is clearly much smarter than me said, you know, I prefer to call them picture books because they're not for a specific age. They're for anybody who enjoys picture books. The, you know, it's instead of calling them children's books, I mean, who doesn't like pictures? I mean, right. It,
0: they really are so, for all ages. Well, they,
1: pretty- they surely are geared towards younger readers it doesn't mean that you can't pick them up and enjoy them for the illustrations or the story or so. I mean, there are, pe- there are people who are producing just beautiful, well-written, uh, creative, uh, stories that you know, a lot of adults could probably benefit from reading.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely the case. And I, I think it's, um, I wish they had these in like waiting rooms. I wish they put picture books in waiting rooms so you could kind of get through something really quick and be, far less terrible than just sitting there and scrolling on your phone. You know, that gets kind of old. But yeah. Uh,
1: imagine, imagine how relaxing that would be if like you could read a copy of, of uh you know, the giving tree while you're waiting to get like some uh some disgusting thing scraped off your back.
0: <laughs> right. It would I think change the mood of waiting rooms completely. Yes. Calm me down. So your style in nope with your next book that comes out, are you doing kind of different artwork or is it going to be the same the same type of um Uh, digital layering that you're doing? Are are you kind of experimenting with different different things in each book? Are you trying to develop a style and kind of stick with that?
1: I'm trying to do whatever fits the story. And again, this is a it's going to look a little bit similar because it's another story sort of set in the woods and outdoorsy and stuff that. But yes, I did tweak the art uh, differently. Um, It's still drew it, but uh, I've been using different. In uh, Nope, I sort of steered away from uh, super cartoony stuff. Like there's, I sort of kept the line work to a minimum. There's a lot of, you know, uh, just sort of, you know, there's a lot of uh, shapes and, and textures and, and the leaves and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One is a little bit closer, but maybe not close. This one has a little bit more defined line work in it but it's a textured line and I didn't, you know, and Nope, I used colored line work in this one. It's black and white, but it's, they're, they are similar looking, but in some of the other projects I'm working on, it, you know, the the, the style is a, a, a bit different. Um, you know, it's about, it's only my second book. So I'm sort of figuring out how I like to work.
0: Now is there the kind of a formula for, um, storybooks as far as length goes? Um, are you finding that you're doing all your stories are about the same length as far as pages go?
1: Yeah, there's there's sort of a standard issue picture book is, uh, you know, 36 pages of story. You get title. Now, you can play with that in, uh, a bit like on the on the next book. Uh, you know, the story basically starts on the end papers. So which is, you know, the page, the pages that, you know, when you open up the book, uh, the, you know, the jacket's wrapped around and you've got like a couple of pages before. Yeah. So I'm start yeah I start basically on the end pages uh, as soon as you open the the front cover that's awesome and then the the title page is also more story and even the back end page so once you add all that together you know you're north of forty pages um, nope was a little different on the end pages I used those as like a, I had done uh, a character sheet before I started which I, in which I I drew all the little, all the instances that, you know, Little Bird was in the, the book. Oh, in the order expressions. To, like, yeah. Right. Just to make sure that they were consistent all the way through. You know, I love you were-
0: that you use that. I was going to ask you about that because I love when end papers have some, they're not just like, oh, it's pink or it's blue or it's just yeah. paper. It's real estate that you've made use of.
1: Yes, yeah, but it was, uh, my art director suggested it to me and I had thought of it as well. Uh, so I just sort of, you know, I, I inverted the, the art, the line work and put it on a, a blue background and it sort of looked, looked like end papers. So that's where we put it. And this one, the end paper, fully, the next one of the full, had, they're fully illustrated.
0: Okay. Well, that's, that's fun. Now, do you think that, I know you don't really have a ton of extra time with all these projects that you're doing and all this wonderful work that you're putting out, but do you think at some point, do you, do you think you'll self-publish something? Yeah. Even as a,
1: as a, an author with a publisher, you, there's still marketing stuff and all that stuff. Like you have to maintain, uh, you know, a social media presence,
0: Absolutely. And, yeah.
1: uh, all that stuff. But I have found that I really, and since I'm, I, I couldn't even at this point, I couldn't even think about doing something like that because I I can totally need an editor to keep me on track or to guide the process uh, because it's not you know, this whole forum uh, forum is not something I, I've been doing for for a terribly long time and I'm working with uh, my editor at uh, at Viking Joanna Cardenas has been invaluable in sort of keeping me on track and sort of guiding the books in a way they need to go. Uh, you know, Nope was uh, the editorial process on Nope was a lot different than the one for uh, the, the new book uh, because we made such big changes to, uh, you know, taking the the narrator and you know, changing her to a, to a character inside the book. Uh, nope went uh, in terms of structure and format stayed, we, we tweaked probably, you know, a, a bunch, we tweaked a bunch of those like imaginary dream sequences. Um, but in terms of, of how the book played out, it stayed very much the same from when it came, you know, when I submitted it, mm-hmm. uh, donate that went through a bunch of different changes and all, I think for the better, um, in the end product. And yeah, you know, that's something that only an editor could, cause uh, otherwise I would have just done what I, you know, whatever I wanted Right. As you know, it takes somebody who knows what they're talking about to tell you, you know, stay on track, dummy.
0: <laughs> I'm sure Joanna probably doesn't phrase it that way, but
1: <laughs> I just wear bluebirds. must get her dressed in the morning. She's like Snow White. She's just so kind. And, and, you know, <laughs> uh, and you know, it, it was it was a little bit of a rude awakening.
0: Yeah. Like, oh, geez.
1: Here's really nice.
0: Well, it's funny. It kind of makes you. Does it make you wish you would have gotten into picture books sooner, knowing that everyone's so nice and happy in the industry?
1: (laughs) There were definitely some times uh, uh, towards the end of uh, the the cycle at at the Ledger where it was really stressful, and there were buyouts and stuff. Times I couldn't. It was. It was not as as fun as the newsroom is. It was not exactly joyous those last couple years. Everybody was really hard. It was rough. It was yeah. rough. You sort of get complacent with where you are.
0: Yeah, it's lo- hard to make a change sometimes. Yeah, it's,
1: hard to, it's or to to sort of take that leap and enter a new field mm-hmm. um, can be a little difficult sometimes. Just because you get you get used to where you're at, <clears throat> but once I took you know once I had the time, um, it even took me a little bit. After uh, after I left, uh, you know, full time editorial, it even took me a little while to 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 get up the gumption to go ahead and 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 sort of go at this full full Mm war. But now, I mean, as I'm into it, I I really would like to make this my focus. uh, and, And to be what I do most of the time.
0: Well, I think that would be excellent because it's your. your I, I I really like your book and um, I like your work in general. So I think it's going to be really fun to watch as these books hit the market and um, see where it leads you. So especially when you combine the words and the the pictures in that next one, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think that'll be really.
1: I hope you like it. There's lots of uh, terrible dad puns in it.
0: <laughs> Was that kind of a nod to your daughter? Um, it sounds no, like...
1: she loves. She loves awful wordplay yeah (laughs) none of them are terribly witty but three-year-olds are gonna love it
0: yeah (laughs) so you'll be rocking the preschool crowd you know people will be like this is great stuff check this out sally you know (laughs) (laughs) well that that's great it'll be interesting to see too i mean i know at some point i'm hoping to collaborate with my daughter um on some picture books and i i'm looking forward to that opportunity at some point and uh that would be it'd be kind of cool do you think you and your daughter might collaborate on something
1: um maybe down the line uh, the when she was uh little when she was younger she always had like uh great ideas for picture books um you know like uh should just come up with like, you know, a a title or spit out like, you know, why don't you do one about, you know, a caterpillar or who can't do this or that. And, you know, I would think about it, you know, it's not a bad idea. It's not any worse than the ideas I come up with.
0: Well, I don't know if there's anything about your current work or your future work or I don't know if you have any other thoughts about um, or things you want people to know about you or your work.
1: Jen, I'll be honest with you. This is the most I've spoken in the last six months. So.
0: (laughs) Thanks again for your time. I appreciate it. Keep up the great work and um, I'll be checking out the next book when it comes out.
1: Thanks so much, Jen. It was great to talk to you.
0: A special thanks to Drew for being a guest on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I will post links to Drew's website so you can see his illustration work, his editorial cartoons. Hopefully you got some ideas from listening to this podcast about where you can go with your own artwork and what you can do if you're looking to kind of change course slightly as As a creative professional, these transitions are very possible and definitely worth pursuing. If you're looking to add a little inspiration to your shelf, you can pick up a copy of Nope, A Tale of First Flight by Drew Shunnaman at your local bookstore or favorite online retailer. I'm going to record a little after show after the music plays, so you can stick around to listen to that if you choose. If not, I hope you have a great day, and I hope your projects are going well. I will be back soon with a couple more episodes of the podcast that are already recorded and in the hopper. If you have a suggestion for me, feel free to email it to jennifer at craftsanity.com. I shut the comments down on my website just because I was being inundated with spam. So um, emailing me is a great way to reach me. You can also reach me through Instagram at craftsanity on Instagram. That's where I hang out daily, so you can shoot me a message there or just send me an email, Jennifer at craftsanity.com Oh, and I almost forgot to mention that I have added a lot of videos to my Craft Sanity YouTube channel. These are weaving tutorials, so they are showing start to finish how to make projects on all the looms in the Craft Sanity collection. So if you want to head over to the Craft Sanity YouTube channel, you can... Take some classes with me without having to even be in my town so you might want to check those out and all the looms featured in the videos are available at craftsanity.etsy.com so i'll be back soon with another episode in the meantime craft sanity my friends it works for me
1: thank you for listening to this episode of the craft sanity podcast to support the show click the patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate one dollar a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsandy.etsy.com Same time next week, we'll be crafting.
0: Hello, folks. I'm back with a little short after show here. Just wanted to touch base because the news has been difficult lately, particularly uh, the shooting that happened in Florida just last week. I'm to a point where I feel like this keeps happening and nothing changes. We just kind of get used to it. And I teach journalism, so I kind of had to deep dive into the, the shooting details because my job as a journalist and an educator of journalists um, requires that. And I'm so tired of this. I am so very tired of it. Uh, I made a, I made a, carved a block that just was the word enough. And I made myself a t-shirt to wear the next day, just because I don't know really how to keep my sanity um, through this. I'm a parent, I'm a teacher. I mean, I teach on a campus and we have to do training about active shooters and we have to tell our students how to get out of, the, you know, how to run, hide, fight, that whole thing. And then there's articles out there that are saying that none of this stuff works, you know, and then I send my children to school. That's very scary. Very, very scary as a parent to not be certain that you can get your kid back safely, you know, get your children back home at the end of the day. You want them to be educated. You want to stay invested in your public school system. But what's happening at the highest levels of government is, doing nothing to help alleviate this problem. The second amendment is part of our constitution and I respect that, but it was not designed to deal with the modern weaponry that's available now. Um, You know, at the time that the document was drafted, we didn't have AR-15s and these weapons that are so powerful and can take out so many people in such a short amount of time. And As a mom, I just feel like a very angry bird about this, and so I'm trying to figure out what to do, and I've been making little patches and things that I can sew onto t-shirts to kind of express my viewpoint. I had someone suggest that I sell patches and then give the money to, you know, um, government officials who can do like to help fund government officials who can hopefully make a difference and i'm thinking that i want to actually do something on a more local micro level and i want to encourage all of you to try to do this too i want to try to get like an art club started um i'd like to do two of these i'd like to somehow get one started at the middle school where my kids go to school and then also do something at the college where i teach because um I feel like part of the problem is that we have, I mean, we have obviously cases of extreme mental illness um, that I go unchecked for years and then something bad happens, which sounds to be the case of what happened in Florida. But I think one of the ways that we can actually maybe effectively help protect our children and in our local communities is to uh, create something like kind of a net to try to catch um, students in who might be. Uh, having a real struggle, fitting in, or maybe there's some kind of, you know, um, you know, just other problem that's going on. And I'm trying to figure out, like, because if a person feels like they're part of the community, they're less likely to hurt the rest of the community. So um, while people continue to fight about the guns and the, you know, health, funding for mental health and all these things that really do need to be, I mean, these these things need to be sorted out. Um, I'm not in a position currently to be able to change that. I, I can't as one person um, give more funding for mental health or um, get the NRA to um, loosen its grip on the government. Um, I can't do that myself. Um, But what I can do is talk to you guys. And I know there's a lot of other moms and dads out there. I think in our local communities, there is more that we can do. And I kind of want to get a conversation started about what we can do. I want to just be able to do more than get really steamed and make t-shirts in the middle of the night. I'm going to keep making t-shirts. I'm going to keep printing things um, because that feels like something tangible and productive. And I think what I might do is maybe offer patches or t-shirts and put those out there to try to fund something that will be helpful. And I just have to figure out exactly what that will be. You know, In the past, I thought, okay, maybe I'll do some scholarship stuff or uh, for college students. But I, I really think that I need to do work to help younger children. Because if you catch a kid that's feeling a little left out when they're in elementary school, and the teachers and the parents and the community makes a really strong effort to kind of bring those kids back in to the community so they feel like they're part of something, I think that's going to be a really have a really powerful effect. And uh, I just kind of have to figure out. I am not a trained mental health professional. Um, I'm, I'm a mom. I'm a journalist. Um, I'm someone who cares a great deal about not having people walking around feeling left out or marginalized because, um, you know, it's a bad, it's a bad feeling. I've never been a wildly popular person myself. So I can relate a little bit to some of those feelings of not belonging, but um, I've kind of created my own communities. So I found a way to belong in the end. So, um, you know, I, it's hard for me to relate to some of this, like to the very dark things that are happening in the world. But at the same time, I keep thinking like we're all human and there's gotta be, a way that we can help each other and not just yell at each other and post you know snarky remarks on facebook and i firmly believe that at the end of the day kindness and respect is just they're great building blocks for moving forward in a peaceful way and um i've interviewed so many people in my time as a journalist that in all different situations you know i've interviewed very very wealthy people and some of the most challenged folks in this country who don't have anything extra and you know all the people in between and people with varying political and religious views and the thing that always I always walk away just thinking geez I wish everyone can have this experience of sitting down with someone that maybe they don't agree with or maybe they don't completely understand right away and then you hear the story and you're like okay because what it all comes back to is we're all human And we can all relate to our basic human needs. And all of us want our kids to be safe. You know, I mean, that's a basic thing as a parent that you want your kids to be safe. You want your nieces and nephews to be safe. You want your parents to be safe. Like, we, you know, there's so many things that we want that are exactly the same. So I want to build on that. And, you know, I'm just kind of throwing stuff at the wall right now. I'm trying to figure out what sticks because uh, there's more I can do. And I want to try to figure out what that is. So if you want to help me figure that out and join me in this, I appreciate it. There I'm thinking there might be some angry mama birds out there <laughs> that can help me build something really cool. But we'll we'll see what happens next. But thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. If you have some thoughts on this, feel free to send those to Jennifer at craftsanity.com. Thanks a lot.